We've got a very different kind of sponsor for this episode. The Jordan Harbinger Show, a podcast you should definitely check out since you're a fan of high-quality, fascinating podcasts hosted by interesting people. The show covers a wide range of topics through weekly interviews with heavy-hitting guests, and there are a ton of episodes you'll find interesting. Since you're a fan of this show, I'd recommend our listeners check out Jordan's conversations with Kobe Bryant on Dissecting the Mamba Mentality. I also recommend to listen to Jordan's episode with T-Pain titled, You Can't Auto-Tune Your Way to Happiness. There's an episode for everyone, no matter what you're into. The show covers stories like how a professional art forger somehow made millions of dollars while being chased by the feds and the mafia. Jordan's also done an episode all about birth control and how it can alter the partners we pick and how going on or off the pill can change elements of our personalities. The podcast covers a lot. But one constant is his ability to pull useful pieces of advice from his guests. I promise you, you'll find something useful that you can apply to your own life. Whether that's an actionable routine change that boosts your productivity or just a slight mindset tweak that changes how you see the world. Supporting my sponsors helps me make this show for you. If you go and download Jordan's show after hearing this ad, he will continually shoveling money in our direction. So show the Jordan Harbinger Show some love. Search for the Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you, everyone. And let's get back to the episode. Welcome to episode 92 of the No Degree Podcast. I'm your host, Janaid Iqbal, and today's guest made $10 an hour working in a warehouse and started fighting as a hobby. Today, he's one of the greatest fighters of all time. He's the first flyweight champion in UFC history. He won a 2017 SP award for best fighter. He has 11 successful title defenses, the most in UFC history. I have Demetrius Johnson, aka Mighty. DJ has leveled up in his career, cemented his legacy, and continues to stay on top. How? Find out in this episode. We're republishing this episode in honor of his fight this week in Tokyo. Good luck, DJ. Visit nodegree.com to start your journey. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Every sub is appreciated. This show wouldn't be possible without you. Let's get this show started. So, hey, Demetrius, let's kind of take it back. How was high school like for you and what did you want to become in high school? Um, you know, this is Tana Johnson. Say hi. Hey, how are you? <laughs> so in high school, I did a lot of sports. You know, I started back from middle school. My mom was very uh, straightforward about you know, what we're going to do with the school said, you can either work. She goes, you're going to go to school. Um, here's two options. You can work and pay for your own stuff. Or if you do sports, I'll pay for everything, you know, like car insurance and all yeah. that stuff. And she wanted us to focus on our athletics and schooling. So I took that route. I did wrestling, football, cross country, track, and I excelled in my sports. And after losing my state championship, in high school wrestling, I never taken third. But after I lost that, you know, I didn't run track this that year. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna chill. I'm not gonna be an athlete for the last quarter of my high school career because I had been playing sports since you know elementary. Um, and I was a breath of fresh air, so I went right into working, worked at Parkland Predators, doing golf courses, worked at Taco Bell, uh, did construction, uh, masonry construction as a hot carrier. And then I finally landed back at, I finally went back to my original construction job, which is at Kerastar. And I guess Kerastar, 
we'll just take recycled paper and we'll make it into V-board. So let's say you, you order a brand new Samsung 85-inch QLED TV. They got to protect it when they ship it. So it, it's protected by these V-boards. And I was a guy who would basically, if you wanted, if the customer wanted that two inch, 15 inch, or 60 inches, I would do that. I'll run a machine, I'll basically cut it that specific, and I'll cut thousands, millions of those, put it in a box, tape it up, put it in a pallet, and ship it out. Wow. So you had all these jobs, and obviously, you, your mother instilled a good work ethic in you. What did you like about working, or did you even like working? And can you share more about that? I love working. I mean, work is why I think I'm successful as a, a martial artist, to be honest with you. You know, working 40 hours a week uh, for 10, 70, 60 an hour, and then in a week, you're going to get $400, right? Same thing with construction, making 14 bucks an hour, work 40 hours, do some overtime, do uh, prevailing wages, you're going to get money. So for me, I, I never had, you know, I was never lazy, right? Like if I wanted something, then I would work very hard to get it. I'll get the money and then I'll take that money and go do what I wanted. So now being a professional athlete, it's like the harder I work in the gym or the harder I work on Twitch or, you know, building my brand and you know, doing toys or whatever it is, there's always going to be a good outcome to it for the most yeah. part. It might not be financially, but it's building, you know, with the toys or the shirts, you know, the shirt you got on. And it's not, you know, that's going to had my pocket. It's building my brand and, and, and creating a footprint of, you know, my LLC. Yeah. So your mother was deaf, if I'm not correct, right? If That's I'm correct. correct. So how was it growing up with a deaf mother? And you know sign language, I assume? No, I, I learned sign language from my wife, actually, because she wanted to be a special ed teacher. But my mom, she was very good at reading lips. So when we were being raised by her, she told us to look her in the face when we talk and don't cover our mouth. And she would read our lips like it was night and day. And then until I got older, I found out that she was uh, deaf. And she would set up things like we're on a toilet pooping and we need a roll of toilet paper. She was like, beat on the ground. I'm like, mom, toilet paper. She'll come, you need toilet paper, baby? Yes. There you go. We never put, put two of you together. You don't know any different unless, you know, you're told. And that's how she raised us. Yeah. So would you have any so would you say she was really instrumental in sort of your work ethic and your just views on life yeah she just basically said if you want something go get it you know work work hard for it um and i remember when i first got my job at parker Center, it's 15 15 years old i walked down there put my application in walked back up back home and they called me and ever since then i started working what was your dream job in high school like what was like what do you want to be like an <laughs> album. You think about when you're 16, 17, 18, 18, you're not thinking about, you know, your your life, your, your dream job. You know, I was more focused on sports. Like literally every every season, football, cross country, track, wrestling, I was always into sports. So for me, all I know is being an athlete. I never knew anything else. Um, didn't know I was going to be a professional athlete, but all I knew was being an athlete my whole life. Now you, your senior year, right? You got second in states. Did you ever think you were going to keep doing athletics or what was sort of, what were the emotions going through you then? No, I, I think after I lost that, you know, that championship, you know, going the whole, whole rest season undefeated, only losing once. And, you know, I was like, you know what? There's no point to be going to track. There's no point. There's no money in track. There's no money in wrestling. So I'm going to work. Uh, that's what I did. I went to work. I went in and started working my summer job earlier. 
um, because it opened uh, right where Scream hits. And I was just enjoying being a kid. Like, it felt so good to go to school, right after school at 210, getting off, driving in my car, and driving home, and hanging out with my friends. Uh, instead of running, the tra- going to the track, it, it was, you know, when I look back on it, you know, there's part of me that's like, man, maybe I should have ran track. But I actually am grateful that I took that last season off of athletics just to chill and be a kid. Don't worry, you got any kids? You got kids? Nah, no kids, no kids. Your ass get there. You're going to be doing the same thing I'm doing. <laughs> no, no, I know. So how did fighting come along? Because you're working full time and you were training like you still kept in shape, right? It seemed like that was like a core part of your life. How did fighting start? I moved in with my buddy, Jordan Charlo. Uh, we live in a PLU house. And we, I don't know what came, how we came across it, but uh, we, we saw, you know, like the original UFC, I think it was UFC 54, okay. UFC 48. It's on uh, Chuck Adele versus uh, Randy Couture. Okay. We saw Andre Lasky, whatever. So we saw that. We, we watched it. And we thought it was cool. And then it came down to uh, the Ultimate Fighter when it was Rashad Evans. Yeah. And Rashad Evans was in the bag. And I remember back in the day, they had challenges. When you won the challenge, you get to pick a you fight or whatever it was. And I saw him looking up and like, damn, man, I think I can do this too. So I literally went to the gym and signed up and I started hitting the bag. Well, I went to the gym and I started hitting the bag. And then a gentleman saw me, Reese Andy saw who I was. And we, I knew Reese from wrestling days back in the you. He was, you want to know how to fight? And I was like, Sure. Signed up. And then the rest was history. That's that's really how it happened. So was that one of the reasons? Because I know Arlovsky is one of the fighters that you idolized, right? So was that was that the reason when watching that day? Well, it wasn't Andre Arlovsky. I think, honestly, it was the work, the workouts. I didn't care about hurting people or how they yeah. hurt people, you know? It was how they got to work out and they could defend themselves on the street from my perspective. And that's, you know, I saw Rashad Evans hit that bag up at Incline Hill. And I was like, I'm sold. I'm going to go work out and start hitting the bag. And that's where it started. Yeah. So now you're only, you're still working because you, you're all about having a plan B because a fighter's life is hard. Yep. And so when you started sort of competing professionally, what was going through your mind? Right. Because it's not like it didn't seem like, hey, I'm going to make the big leagues. It was just kind of something you're doing and you're just really good at it. And you just kept on doing, getting better at it. Absolutely. I think the biggest thing went through my mind when I was working and training full-time. Well, I went through a lot of jobs. I worked at Journeys as an assistant manager at Red Lobster. Uh, I worked at Carousel, and I went to construction, but back to Carousel. And then once I got my full contract in the WEC, you know, I still worked. Even all into my title fight in the UFC against Dominic Cruz, I still worked. Um, I think the biggest thing that athletes get confused with is once they feel like they made it to the big leagues and just quit their job. That's that's not the case. Uh, you know, the money, the money's good, but it's not great, you know. If an athlete with other makes 10 and 10, he wins the fight, he made 20 grand, you know, minus 20 percent. So he's left with what? Uh 16 K. 16,000. He's got to pay his management. So there's another, you know, four thousand gone. So now he's got what? Twelve thousand dollars. And then it's like, okay, well I got twelve grand to last me. You know, the whole year, you know, that's a thousand bucks a month. So it really doesn't go that far. So for me, it was very important that I kept a full-time job. That way you get something that income. So all the money I made from my career, starting in WEC, I pretty much saved it. Like I, I put it in, you know, investments and all the way up to this point in one championship, I still save my money to this day because you never know when that last fight's going to happen. And I, I've always been a big believer that, uh, 
you know, you always want to work up until you get to that point where you can sustain your full-time career as a professional athlete. That's that's a true professional athlete. You know, if you're working full-time at a job and you're also a professional fighter, you're not a professional fighter. You're, you're it's, it's a hobby. Until that hobby is able to pay your insurance, your car payment, your mortgage, uh, your food, airfare, all that stuff, you're not a professional athlete. My personal opinion. And that's one of the things my... Uh, a friend of mine told me, he goes, you know, these guys out here who are fighting at the casinos, think they're pro athletes or not. They're making, you know, two two to show, two to win. Man, you, know, you made four grand. I can make that in a weekend, you know, doing X, Y, and Z. So. so did you ever think that you would be fighting full time? Because it was a different landscape back then, right? Now it's like the um, the numbers that some people make versus what they made before, even the minimums. Yeah, I never thought that would happen because when I first got into mixed martial arts, the smallest weight class was 155 or 170. We had no interest in going over to overseas to compete because that's a lot of time away from the house. And I was still working full time. Like literally, you know, my coach, Matt Hume, called me like, hey, we got this fight. Can you make it? And I was like, let me go ask my boss first. We expect you to time off. And I went and asked him. He goes, I'll see what I can do. And I'll take a week off from work. Literally, I'll go out. It was, you know, I'll look back on it. I, it it brings tears in my eyes. It, it, it was close. It, it was amazing times, you know, me working a full-time job, my wife working a full-time job, no kids. And then my, my you know, coach calls you, hey, we got a fight in Vegas. You, you can make it. I was like, yeah, my boss. Boss says you should get it off. Get a full week off from work. Wife comes down with me. We have a good time in Vegas. I go out there, blow the bricks off somebody. A Saturday, Saturday night, we go out and have drinks. Sunday, we're back home. Monday, I'm right back to work again. Literally, like, right back to work. So how was it at work? Like, when your coworker saw you, they're like, hey, DJ, you're fighting? Because it's it's different, right, when yeah, you go back like, to work? Well, the guys I work with, they're all older. They're a lot older than me, a lot wiser. And they're like, hey, good job. Um, make sure you get that fucking order out. And I was like, absolutely, I'll get it out. And the reason why, and the thing that was good is that the reason why I went right back to work on that Monday is because I knew, I hoped that call would come again. And when that call came again, my boss in the head said, he goes, yeah, you can go down. Like, your work's caught up. We'll cover here, and then when you get back, we'll uh, we'll uh, get you back to work. We appreciate you. So they were really supportive of you. Oh yeah, my my boss, Pete Bohaki, still talking to this day every once in a while. He said, "If I there was a point in time I was going to quit fighting to stay in my full time job," and he goes, "If you ever chose fighting, if you ever chose carousel over fighting, I would fire you." I was like, "What the fuck?" But you know, luckily enough, because I made the right decision, and um, he always supports me. He, I mean. He saw something that I didn't see, and uh, I'm grateful that he was very supportive of me be able to take time off and go in the fight. Because being raised, you know, whatever pays your bills, that's more important than anything else. A lot of people out there, these Gen X or whatever the hell you want to call them, these new millennials, they think everything's going to come overnight. Like, this is my dream, my passion, I'm just going to do it. No, you got to, if that dream passion ain't paying the bills, you know, you better figure it out because PSC is going to cut that fucking electricity off. Another person who's been instrumental, as you, you mentioned, is your wife, Des- Destiny, right? Yep. And then, so how has she supported you throughout? She's amazing. She she carries so many different things. I was really thinking about her day. And then I was like, she's a fucking monster. She woke up at 6 o'clock this morning, went to the gym, did a workout, came home, ate. They wouldn't work out again. And now we're home. She took a nap. And now she's cleaning up. We're going to go out to dinner tonight. Uh, but she's always been very supportive of me. But like my sidekick, my best friend. She's very honest with me when it comes to making decisions on my career. And she's been with me since the very beginning, you know, my second amateur fight. She's been with me in the ups and downs. 
we've been together where I didn't have a job and she was, you know, supporting both of us. And, you know, now I'm able to return the favor. So when like yin yang, we're like, you know, Ebony and Ivory, we're, we're together forever. So when did you become a professional athlete by your own definition? When was that? And when did you decide like, hey, now it makes sense right now? I got the bills paid. My second fight against Ian McCall, that's when I literally started thinking of sport and serious. You know, I started to train under that human food full time. Um, I quit my job after the Dominic Cruz fight, but I still wasn't training with him full time. So I would say my second Ian McCall fight was like when I was like, okay, we're going to you know, take this shit serious. Yeah. So when you took it serious, what, what really changed, right? Because you probably saw a lot of improvements in yourself because now you, you had more time to dedicate. So what changed when you started training full time? Because you're obviously still winning, you're doing a lot of things, but now it's like a different different level of DJ. Well, I think it was just, you know, the coaching, the coaching aspect of it. You know, I was under my coach full time. You know, before that, I was doing my own thing. Like I was training here, then I would go to my conditioning here. We scratch all that. We're like, you know what? My coach is like, I want to see everything you're doing. I want to, you know, dictate when you're doing this, how you feel. And it'll see different. Even my diet. He wanted to oversee. And then once, you know, I, I came back to that E. McCall fight, you know, beat him, then won a world title flyweight, held the belt for six years. Um, he sort of one of the best for a very, very long time. And, you know, now uh, I still feel a difference. And it's just a thing you don't have to work, you know, 40 hours a week. That's that's a lot of, you know, wear and tear on your body. When you started, did you, well, even when you won the belt, did you ever think like, hey, I'm going to set, I'm going to set, the, you know, the record in the flyweight division, I'm going to be one of the get greatest of all time, right? Because no matter what, in every conversation, you deserve to be there. And you're, you're like on the Mount Rushmore, right? For the UFC. Did you ever think that was going to happen? Or when did you start, when did it start materializing for you? Like, I, I'm it, really this good. Uh, I don't think, it, I would say the biggest thing was that I set a goal and after, you know, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh, the eighth, the ninth, part of the things, I was like, holy shit, I'm going to close to Anderson Silva. And I was like, you know what? I think the goal was to break his record. I was like, you know, obviously, you know, John Jones, I think he's had 13 or 14, you know, had a fight, one or two, one of them. But, you know, he's lost the belt, then it's then Cormier, then it's this guy. But when you look at the, the, the last of the division, the UFC flyweight division has been around since 2012. That's eight years ago, right? Six, there's only been three champions, me, Henry Cejudo, and uh, Figueredo. Uh, I held it for six years. Then Henry held it for, you know, six, you know, what, a year, year and a half? A year and yeah. a half. Yeah. And then you had Figueredo. So six years of my career was trying to break that record. Um, and once I did it, I was like, this is awesome. And for me, it wasn't ever, I guess that was the biggest thing. I never sat there like, we're going to break the record when I first got the belt. I felt like once I kept getting closer and closer and closer, I was like, okay, this is the goal to break it. Because now that's the minute in, you know, Mixed martial arts history. I don't think there's ever been a champion, you know, who's defended the belt consecutively 11 times. Obviously, you know, I think the next athlete who can do it is probably Amanda Nunez or Valentina, but they have a different, you know, different side of the career. They're women, you know, if Valentina wants to get pregnant, that's a couple of years off. Obviously, Amanda Nunez, she's gone up to 145, she's gone back to 135. It hasn't been very consistent, but I think those two definitely have the skill set to make it happen. You know, when I think about the athletes, you know, Habib Nurmagomedov is, he's about to be 30, you know, or he's 28, you know, 29, you know, and he just got the belt. Injuries played his career, not played his career, but held his career back. So I think for me, I was blessed to be able to, you know, get the belt at such a young age, defend so many times, 
and, and be successful. So one thing about you is you're really detached from the outcome of a fight. Like you go in there, you do your stuff. Like, why is that? And was it coaching that kind of thought that it's just you, your personality? I think it's a little bit of coaching and it's a little just my personality. Uh, there's a gentleman that I trained with. I forget the gentleman's name. And I came back one of my fights and I was in the same, in the locker room changing and getting my gear on. He goes, you know what I love about you? I love he goes, you don't care about your fight. I'm like, well, what do you mean? He goes, you fucking win all the time. And you come here acting exactly the same. And I was like, isn't that how it should be? He goes, no, I agree. It's, it's actually a breath of fresh air. It's nice. But you would think that someone who's made it to your level of, of, of fame or stardom or athletic ability, they would be totally different. But you have a change. I was like, yeah, I'm not attaching my outcome. Because at the end of the day, I know I'm going to lose, right? If I can accept the fact that I know I'm going to lose one day, which I have lost, then your outcome of competing or just your 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 genre or your or whatever you call it, it's just in a much positive era. I mean, don't get me wrong, losing sucks. Winning's a lot better, but I feel the person should never have should change their perspective on how they act. So even when I do lose, I still continue to you know push forward and keep a goal in my brain and keep on striving for my ultimate goal. And even when I win, I, it's, the same thing goes. And I think that's more crazy in my life because you know I remember when I first lost, you know when I lost the belt, you know let's, you know when you lose, at, you don't lose when you lose, you don't have the belt. It's like it's when I lost. When you lose, but you're not the champion anymore. You wonder how big it'll be. You, you come home and you know your wife still loves you, your kids still love you, you still got a car, you know. You know, your house is still beautiful. So it's like, okay, it's back to the office. Let's get back in the gym, get back to work, and get back to making money. How do your kids do you? Like, do they know that their dad's a fighter and that their dad's on TV? Like, or, you know, how do they view you? As they get older, they view me more as a gamer. <laughs> they see, okay. me, game, they see yeah. me game for them to train and fight, and which is, I am totally okay with that. I actually prefer that more. I think my kids see me more as a gamer and he's happy in my eyes. I don't want them to see me as, you know, uh, an athlete. I want them to see me as their dad and I want them to see me want see me doing one of the things I truly enjoy. You've always been a gamer. So what what you what games did you grow up on? Oh god man. Uh I grew up on uh Virgin Nintendo Super C, Snake Rattle Roll, uh Platoon, <laughs> Castlevania series. I mean, it just goes on. And then I really fell in love with Super Nintendo. Then when it was Super Nintendo, the Sega Genesis, then we did Nintendo 64. Dreamcast, and after Dreamcast, I think that's when I got the PS2, and then the PS3, PS4, the PC, and boom, that's that's how it is, man. I I, I love games. Like I'm shocked I don't have a gaming tattoo. Are you planning on getting a tattoo? Nah, I'm too old for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> so now the other thing is, you also started streaming Twitch as you were fighting. What sort of got you into that? Because you've always, I, and I know you, you're kind of you know holding your son. And kind of just watching you're like hey let me watch this and then so what made you decide to get on twitch you know i don't know who it was but somebody told me i can watch anything i want on twitch any type of video game and so i was like okay they're like can you i was like can you watch um Mega Man x he goes yep i was like okay so i, I downloaded the app twitch and i saw caleb part 42 or 24 extremely uh Mega Man x favorite game of all time i love Mega Man x Mega Man 2 3 the whole fucking series and I was like, man, that's dope. I'm always playing video games as yeah. is. And next thing you know, my wife said, babe, you should start shooting on Twitch. I was like, really? I was like, I was like, nah, last time I need somebody to know what the fuck you want to game. I don't need that. But, uh, she goes, babe, you're missing the point. She goes, it's a great platform to go to interact with your parents on a different level. I was like, 
Okay. And I'm going to forget. I'm sure my first game, Final Fantasy XIV, I was born in my underwear, in my loft. And I had three viewers. And Tony says, you know you can't be naked. You got to get some underwear. And I was like, fuck you talking about? It's my house. <laughs> and then everything else is history. And I can't believe we're going to be, what, four years? Four years. Four years. Four years. So October will be five years. I'm super excited. And uh, the community I have built, not that I have built that, the Minus Five has built, you know, Matt Walker, Food Diddy, you know, just the list just goes on. Those are like the two, you know, founders who were there in the very beginning with me. And then it's just an amazing community. I think you mentioned recently uh, that, you know, you want to be known as a gamer, right? And not just as a fighter, but you also want to be known as a gamer. Can you expand more on that? I think the biggest thing is an athlete. I think a lot of athletes like to live by that identity, which there's nothing wrong with that at all. I think it's great. And I love I love being known as what I've accomplished in mixed martial arts. But I know that I can't fight forever. So I want to be able to build a great foundation in the gaming, the gaming world space of showing how passionate I am about it, how much I love it, how much I want to see it thrive and succeed. That, you know, I, I want to have a footprint in it. And so I, that's what made me start the Twitch channel, obviously, to interact with them on the platform. But you know, when I'm done fighting, I want to be able to load up my stream and go and hang out with people. My ultimate goal is to be able to make enough money to fight when I'm done that I don't have to worry about money. So anyone that comes in through Twitch or anything like that, I'm able to put that money right back into the stream to give a better experience for my viewers and my community. So you seem to be very big on like just community and fans. Like, why is that? And you are, you're also super positive because I've been on your streams and sometimes people say negative things and you just really brush it off. Why is that? And how is that? Say that one more time. I, no, I, like, you know, how are you so positive? Because I see some of those comments, right? You want some, not too often, but once in a while, you get someone who's like, you know, who says something, and you're just like, hey, just be positive. Even like people will come defend you and they'll be like, hey, guys, just be positive. Like, how did you come across? Like, why Why are you like that? Because some people, I, right, emotionally, sometimes they're like, ah, screw you. Yeah. I mean, being in this in the limelight for a very long time, you, you, you see the, the good with the good and the bad with the bad. And I think my wife, she's very good about pushing positivity. Like, why not be positive? You know, there's enough negative in the world that overcomes my positivity. So if I can be that light shining armor in the darkness of all surrounded by all my negativity and people can come to my channel and have a good experience and have and go to see me as a positive person, I can rub some of my positivity onto them, then I'm doing my goal. I'm, I'm doing I'm doing what I'm happy to do. And the idea it's the biggest thing. Some people get so, you know, caught up with everybody's negativity that I want to be a positive person. And, and, you know, not in the game space, but in the mixed martial arts space as well. Yeah, so, because I, I realized that you're very good at talking smack. Like, I've seen you when you play certain characters, like you're you're on Rogan's podcast. You know, hey, I know what I got. If I really wanted to, double, But you never really went that route. And it seems like integrity is a lot. Like, you're like, hey, look, this is the man I strive to be. And you don't seem to compromise money over your integrity. Is that sort of... Yeah, I, I would like to think so. You know, I'm, I'm, I like to be honest. I have to be very transparent when it comes to certain situations. Like, I'll never forget one day my coach came in and we're all, it was, it was me, Tim Boat, Karis Fordorn, and I can't remember who else. My coach came in and he goes, and I love, and this is what I love by him. He goes, I'm going to let you guys know now. When I come in here and ask you how you're feeling, how's your back, how's your ankles, I don't care. If that hurts, I'm asking you, do you want to make fucking money? I was like, God damn, I don't want to make fucking money. Let's, and he goes, let's fucking make money. Like, so there's, there's parts where, you know, when it comes to integrity, I like to be, like I said, honest, transparent. And somebody goes, man, you should really play this game. I'm like, no, I'm going to play it up. Why not? 
don't care to. You just give me a try. Uh, I, I don't need to. I have the game that's fulfilling my needs right now. Um, yeah, I try to be transparent. Man. I try to be honest. And and if people look at it as I have integrity, then I, I'll take it. What's up, bud? What's up? Um, so another thing is that what really sets you apart is you're super insightful and you're super technical. Now, were you always this technical or is it something that you just developed over time? In fighting or in general? Just in, in, Well, let's talk about in fighting because in wrestling, when you obviously you have to be technical. So were you, did it stem from the wrestling days or and it just carried over or started when you start fighting? I, I think it, it I think in mixed martial arts, I got really technical because there's so much you can learn in mixed martial arts. And I've been doing it for so long. And I would literally train seven days a week. Sundays would just be pure footwork. Um, Saturday sparring. Um, and there's a lot of stuff you can learn in uh, mixed martial arts. There's do's and do's and the don'ts and the don'ts. Um, and I really took that and I really uh, excelled in that. When it comes to like, you know, in general life, you know, I, I kind of, I ask a lot of questions. I ask a lot of questions. If I don't know something, I want to know about it. And I'll do everything I can to grasp all the information I need. Um, and that's where I think it, it comes from. Obviously, a lot of people want to become fighters, right? A lot of people who fight, they want to get the belt. What do you think? What are the few things you think set you apart? I think what set people apart who get the belt, who don't get the belt is athletic ability, skill set, uh, determination, coaching. Well, what set right. you apart? What set you what's specifically apart? What's, what, I I would say those things, the the coaching, the determination, the skill set, athletic ability, all that stuff plays a huge role. I would say, you know, the difference between me and Habib Megamurnoff isn't very far. I mean, he's a phenomenal athlete, extremely good, great coach, you know, rest in peace to his father. Same thing with John Jones, great coaching, athletic ability, his knowledge of the sport. I mean, all of us, all the champions have something in common. They always have that, that X factor that somebody else doesn't have. Or it can be the right time, right time, you know, right time, right place, right shot, uh, right after might get lucky. But other than that, yeah, I think it's you know determination, athletic ability, skill set, knowledge, and determination. So if let's say you're 18 again, right? You have all the knowledge you have now. How would you go about your career? Would would there be anything you'd do differently? Start playing, start investing earlier. That's it. What do you, what do you mean? Start investing? You're just outside of athletics, finance? Yeah, like. Start streaming on Twitch sooner. Start building my brand sooner. But then at the same time, if I were to do that, would I take away from my fighting aspect? Right. Like right now, I'm in a I'm in a place in my career where I can able, I'm able to focus on that. You know, back in the day, I was working full time, training full time, and not training, but training part time. So I don't know if I were to focus on I'm the best in the stock market, do this and this and this, and I would take away from my athletic ability in the gym. Do you have any other goals left in fighting? Because Right, you've accomplished a lot, right? So, what are what are the next goals? Yeah, obviously, keep on winning and keep on making money, and then hopefully, you get the you know the five eight one championship. So, you know, right now, my my I'm every fight is getting one step closer to my ultimate goal. And once I reach ultimate goal, then I'm like, yeah, I'm done. You know, I think you know when it comes to accomplishments and belts and stuff, I think I've satisfied that need for me. Now it's just going out there. It's my job. You know, I love to do it, and why not continue to do it? It's it's a great source of income. And I love to do it. Like, what advice would you have so for fighters getting in right now? That you know, save younger your fighters, save your money and enjoy it. Now, for the gaming future, once you start sort of gaming full time, like where do you see yourself in that space? 
You know, that's a hard one to say because I feel like if I was gaming full time, it would have to be just for fun because I am a type of person where I just can't, you know, I like to have a schedule, but me and the wife and the kids, what's up, beautiful? Come here. Oh, what's on my lap? Dude, here. I would say for me, it will come down to I have to find the right, the right space. You know, obviously I want to help uh, companies and help launch uh, titles. But at the same time, you know, I, I don't see myself being an esports player. I do see myself as a Twitch streamer, but I don't want that to be my, my only source of income because that is very stressful. So, what do you think you would have done if you, in a different life, you weren't a fighter, right? Or you stop? What would you? What do you think you would have done? Um, I think I would have been in construction. Uh, you know, that's where I was in before. But, you know, if, yeah, I probably would have disruption. Because I think as a Twitch streamer, I don't think I would have the same success that I have now if I went and fought in mixed martial arts. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, it's weird. But when I look at Twitch streamers and I look like, why are they successful? You know, when I look at, you know, the high paid streamers, and I'm like, you know, the only only streamer that I actually truly enjoyed watching was Dr. Dr. Respect. You know, now that I got next to the talk, I'm enjoying Dr. Lupo. I'm enjoying a lot of other streamers who stream it. You're too gay now! Wow! My son just lost his tooth. Yeah, congrats. Wow. Congrats. Good for you. Mm-hmm. All right, next slide. We put it in the different different Um. So I, I try to think, like, how can I make myself successful? Well, what is a successful Twitch streamer, right? And for me, I try to think of what, what that is. And I don't think I reached it yet, but I would love to one day to reach it. Cool. So, you know, I want to be sort of respectful of your time. Have you ever sort of felt insecure about not going to college or not going to school? Or you feel like, look, I know my stuff. No, not at all. I went to college. I went to college for two years. And I was like, waste of fucking time. <laughs> what would you sort of do in college? Um, so I was going to get my AA yeah. because I was told you got to go to college and be successful. Um, which I think going to college is, is a great tool to find out what yeah, you want to do. Um, you know, I, I, I save money for my children uh, to go to college. So, but for me, I was going to college to take classes. Hey, can you stop that? Do you want my phone? My phone? There you go. So that's what I would say. I mean, I, I don't have any insecurities whatsoever because I learned more. Uh, I learned more as a professional athlete and just actual questions in the, the business world than going to school. What have you gotten better with over time? Because I know you got better with like certain aspects of fighting, right? As you got older, right? You didn't train as much, but you have this knowledge and you have a sort of different way of doing things. And I know earlier your coach was harder on you and now later in your career, you're harder on yourself, right? So what have you gotten better with over time? I would say getting better at like, you know, financing, just learning, uh, looking for information, looking for creativity, Obviously, being a better person, but I would say just searching for information that could better me as a person. I'm always searching right now. I'm looking to upgrade my Twitch stream. Don't have to, don't, don't have to, but I want to. I'm doing that right now, and you know that just always trying to be better. That's it. What would you say was the smartest thing you did while fighting? So not outside of fighting, where you save money. What What do you think, or even at one moment, what like what moment stands out in your fighting career? Listening to my body, like listening to my body, like when I. Had to get my labrum repaired, I did that. When I had to get my other shoulder repaired, I did that. When I needed to take a break from fighting, not break, but 
chill, relax. I did that. And I was, I was very outspoken to my coach about, hey, this hurts. And we'll figure a different way out to train. So has there sort of ever been a time when you're fighting that you're like, well, what am I doing? Like, why am I here? This sucks. Never, never, never thought that. Never. Maybe when, when I'm doing certain drills while like hitting stuff, but then I'm like, I've never thought that way. Like, no, never have. Yeah. So what's your favorite aspect of fighting? Uh, the mixed martial arts part, being able to uh, mix everything together. Like all the other stuff, like boxing, kickboxing, Muay Thai, that's all great. But I think that have the ability to do whatever you want is my favorite part about it. So are there any fighters that you're sort of, you see, you kind of see a lot of promise in right now? Uh, ones? Like younger ones? Yeah. Israel Adesanya, one of them. Uh, yeah, my kids, they have, they have no chill. I'm in here. You see what I mean? Ah, can I finish this, please? Can I finish this? Yes, I'm going to finish this. Get out. I would say Iris Adesana, uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley, uh, who else? Um, those are the two that come top of my head. Yeah, those two right now are like the biggest ones I think would be very, very, very good in their career. You know, they're both athletes, they're very, both long in their careers, they're long for the division. Um, Paulo Costa, the, you know, the racer, he's very promising, he's very tough, great hands, very, very big. You know, and that's just the surface. You know, those are the guys that, I, that come to the top of my head that are going to be they're going to be good for the sport of martial arts. So, did anything change for you as a fighter when you had, you know, when you had your kid? Because I know sometimes people's motivation change, right? They start fighting a little different. They're like, "Hey, I gotta make sure I don't get hit in the head as much." Oh, one thousand percent. You know, for me, I, 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 I want to make sure I'm helping out. The head doesn't really yell at me all the time, guys. And, and, and just be smarter, you know, with my career, like, knowing when to stop. Like, if I get knocked out or if I'm getting fucked up, I'm like, I'm done. I was like, I don't need this. I'm, you know, there's other ways to make money in, in life. But luckily, I've been blessed. I've been taking a concussion. I've been knocked out. I'm not going to live. And uh, I'm going to keep going. All right. So I just want to, how would sort of the listeners support you? What's the best way to sort of support you? Support me, just follow me on Twitch, Instagram, Twitter, and then screen by the Twitch channel. Okay, cool. So subscribe to, what's your Twitch handle? The Mighty uh, Gaming. Mighty Gaming, that's it, baby. Anyway, you ain't, you ain't got to subscribe. Come and chill, hang out, sit back, have a beer, enjoy the chat, enjoy the game. All right, so I just want to thank you for your time. You know, appreciate you. And, you know, looking forward to your next fight. Thanks, bro. I appreciate you, man. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and will go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast. On Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree inc. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D, last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem, no degree.com. Yeah, so you got no degree, no problem, no problem, any problem, we can solve them. We got this. LinkedIn Somnia.
keeps us evolving, growing and knowing. Wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. If you didn't know, now you know. Let's sing that again, everybody. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing and knowing. The wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing and knowing. The wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going.